1: Welcome to the 28th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. We'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, Galavan, Galavan, and Amelia, creators of the digital war room platform for e-discovery.
2: And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is metadata. What you can't see can hurt you. We're pleased to welcome as our guest, Karen Masson, the president of Latera, Latera makes content lifecycle management software to create, collaborate, compare, control, and clean business documents. Their software allows companies to improve productivity, mitigate risk, and protect reputation. Welcome, Karen.
1: Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. Well, you're very welcome. Uh, I want to start off, Karen, by asking you about something we hear a lot when we go to conferences. We hear from people attending that they've read about metadata in journals and blogs. They usually will now raise their hands and say they know what it means, but sometimes secretly they admit that they don't fully understand it. Can you explain a little bit?
3: Sure, sure. Simply put, metadata is just data, data about data. So you can think of it like the card catalog in a library. It's information about the content it describes, so the book's author, when it was written, and so on. In the digital age, this information becomes much more complex, of course, (laughs) as as always, it seems. So it's also critical for things like searching through massive volumes of data, as well as to understand the life history of an individual document. So a lot of people basically understand that metadata exists, since they at least see the visible properties inside their office documents. But they're surprised to learn that it not only has things like author and date created that show up on that list, but also all kinds of other information such as previous revisions, including previous insertions, deletions, track changes, comments, uh, who sent the document, total editing time, and much more. So the metadata, uh, just as an example for a photograph, wouldn't just contain things like the date the photo was taken, but GPS coordinates, serial number, the camera used, and so on. It can be very telling information.
2: Well, I I hate to admit it, Karen, but I'm I'm at least old enough to to remember what a card catalog was. Um, (laughs) I I don't even think they have those in libraries anymore, do they? No.
3: (laughs) I know. We're showing our age, aren't we?
2: Yes, we are. Um, so, so where can we find metadata and kind of describe, what it, What does it look like? Is it anything, you know, have color or whatever to it?
3: <laughs> sure, sure. Um, you know, there's all sorts of business files and content that contain metadata from spreadsheets to presentations to email to web pages and everything in between. And the metadata in these files is typically embedded, which means that the metadata isn't almost, isn't always accessible from right within the file itself. Metadata can be plain, straightforward language easily read by anyone, or it can be in the form of code, tags, and the like, which are often discernible even to the naked, untrained eye. So, one of the most common examples that users will find oftentimes that, um, is a problem with the metadata is that people often repurpose a document. So they had created it originally for one group, and now they're going to reuse it for another. And they inadvertently leave either the metadata from the original into their newly converted file, including things like the client's name, <laughs> or sometimes they actually do that right within the visible part of the document itself, um, you know, through just hidden fields or other things
1: the the primary response it seems like most people have to metadata is fear so so can you tell us why they should be afraid and why it's so dangerous <laughs> sure
3: well especially in the legal profession you know confidential or privileged information if that's inadvertently disclosed can have tremendously serious consequences for the business and for the law firm For the law firm, just the mere disclosure that a person or a firm is even a client can be a breach of confidentiality, let alone anything of substance that might, say, be found in the back history of track changes. (laughs) So, you know, that's a major concern for them, making sure that they manage confidential information. For corporations, um, accidentally sharing sensitive information can have significant financial impact in the form of fines for noncompliance or negative impact on stock value, damages from litigation, or it could tra- trigger a painful audit or discovery process. So, you know, in the recent past, people were able to point a finger to IT and say, it's not my job, I'm an expert in the law, or whatever their field of expertise, and it's their job to handle all this mysterious technical stuff. But, you know, as you may have heard, that no longer flies, at least not in the legal profession. Recognizing that the proliferation of new technologies, especially mobile devices, were the cause of a massive spike in data leaks, the uh, American Bar Association's Commission on Ethics 2020 resolution for the ABA Rules of Conduct Rule 1.1 was passed in August. And basically what that says is lawyers are now being held responsible for the technical competence in securing their client's confidentiality. And so for those of us focused on this arena, this wasn't a big surprise. There's already 13 states that had adopted similar policies. But some lawyers were completely shocked by this. And I'm sure, well, I know for, you guys know this, being on the blogs and so on. And, and, of course, the IT inboxes, they just lit up all over the place as lawyers were trying to confirm that their IT department basically had them covered, quote-unquote, especially on those mobile devices.
2: So tell us a little more about the mobile devices, Karen, since you mentioned that. And I know pretty much everyone today... Has some sort of a smartphone strapped to their hip or in their pocket or something. If if not more than one, so how <laughs> how 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 has that that impacted or what what does metadata have to do with with those or, or some of the concerns?
3: Sure you know most law firms and many other document intensive companies have tools that are loaded on the desktop for their users to clean metadata every time that they email um they email something with an attachment externally to the organization and that's great until you're not working from your desktop you're working from your iPad or your smartphone in which case you're bypassing that system altogether so that's why server based metadata removal systems were created and uh they are right you know IT really does have to make that happen um, but ultimately, it's the the job of the users to make sure that they do.
1: You've often said, I think I've heard you say many times, that metadata is the least of the h- hidden information problem. Can you tell me what that means, Karen?
3: Sure, it's actually pretty simple. You know, we can't while we can't risk leaving it in there. Most of us don't run around looking for meta- metadata in other people's documents. I'm sure. Well, maybe. Some people do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I do, and particularly for resumes. So.
3: <laughs> yes, but the average user that doesn't do that, obviously. And um, it's really the viewable information that's temporarily obscured that kills us. Users forget that they have hidden rows and formulas in a spreadsheet, for example, or notes in their PowerPoint document. Internal comments and track changes that they forgot to accept or erase, Um even highly confidential personal information like social security numbers, financial account numbers, things like that. Confidential information may not even, uh, it may not even be hidden in the metadata but be viewable right inside the document such as those uh, numbers, for example. You can just see them right in the page. So if we're honest with ourselves, you know, every one of us listening has probably hit send to an external person on an email and wish they could recall that message. Um, you know, I guess that's just part of human nature. We make mistakes, and that's why we have to put processes in place and tools to sort of catch us when we do. Um, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about some of the examples of companies that have made mistakes like this. And uh, if you're feeling badly about uh, hitting send, as I have, you shouldn't feel so bad. Quite as badly when you hear about some of these stories, like. Uh, for example, someone at Barclays had an Excel that had 179 contracts with hidden columns that were then accidentally submitted in a buyout offer of a Lehman Brothers assets. You know, that resulting acquisition discussion was material affected in terms of valuation due to those disclosures. Or Juiced, for example, they accidentally leaked three months' worth of partnership deals with major networks through a hidden data in a PDF. Uh, Google it was... Uh, One of the other victims, they unintentionally leaked their financial projections when uh, someone uncovered those investigating notes in PowerPoint. And Microsoft, not to be outdone by Google, of course, developed a multi-million dollar marketing initiative to counter Apple's successful I'm the Mac guy campaign. Uh, And the documents related to the initiative posted on Microsoft's website revealed that they had actually been drafted on a Mac. So, (laughs) a little embarrassing, these things can happen, but they can have tremendous uh, financial impact, as you can see. Mm
2: -hmm. What about any, are there any specific file types that are more prone to having hidden data than than others?
3: Uh, You know, virtually all types of files contain metadata. I would say because of their widespread usage and distribution in in business in general, Microsoft, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, PDFs image files um, are probably the most likely to contain potentially harmful
1: metadata. You know, I'm going to ask you a question that obviously we know the answer to, but it's one we get asked a lot, uh, and that is does it take an expert in order to find the metadata in documents?
3: You know, Certain metadata, yes, and I know that you guys are, are experts in, in uncovering, uh, maybe not inside the documents, but actually looking into a physical hard drive and seeing what's gone on there. But in terms of the actual documents themselves, no. I mean, a good deal of potentially damaging metadata is readily accessible through the user interface of common software applications. So in Microsoft Office, for example, you can just view the properties and see uh, all kinds of metadata. Not uh, No matter how seemingly hidden metadata is, motivated people also know where to look and uncover it with the right tools, and much more can be revealed using those tools specifically for the purposes of uncovering meta- metadata, such as e-discovery software that's used by digital forensics companies like yourself. Lotera's metadata cleaning software, D, for example, can locate hundreds of different types of metadata within office documents alone. It provides alerts that can forewarn users when those things exist as well. But those preview capabilities, um, you know, being able to see all of that data and understand what's in there, even if it's hidden, exist in tools like ours.
2: Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Gallivan Gallivan and Amelia, creators of the Digital War Room platform for discovery. Do you need to strategize, review and produce documents for litigation, government investigations, or HSR second requests in a single e-discovery tool for every size and every type of matter? Digital War Room eliminates costly pre-processing of collected documents, realizing savings of 80% or more, and giving you greater control over e-discovery. Experience end-to-end e-discovery on your Windows desktop, on your internal network, or in our hosted review center. Download a free trial of Digital War Room Pro at www.digitalwarroom.com. That's digitalwarom.com.
0: You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial playing in this podcast. Just give us a call anytime at 781-551-9960 or shoot us an email at admin at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too.
3: Promote yourself online with Legal Talk Network by becoming a featured lawyer. Your featured lawyer profile lets potential clients and referral attorneys get to know you in a five-minute podcast interview with Legal Talk Network, plus your photo, your bio, and your firm's contact info. Be part of the most progressive online legal network anywhere. Just call Legal Talk Network at 781-551-9960, that's 781-551-9960, or by emailing admin at legaltalknetwork.com.
1: Be a Legal Talk Network featured lawyer now. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today we're talking to Karen Musand, the president of Latera.
2: Karen, has the the leaking of hidden data been associated with either reputational or or monetary damage to companies? I know you gave us a few examples there of of some some guys that got bit a little bit, but how how pervasive really is the problem?
3: You know, it's huge. I mean, according to the survey, corporate email 2011-2012 by the Radicati Group, business professionals send an average of 41 emails per day, and a quarter of those have at least one file attached. So any of those would, that, uh, that are going externally would be at risk. Um, you know, many businesses understand the risk of leaking sensitive information through the metadata in these attachments, and they have software tools on the desktop, uh, to scrub any kind of hidden information. But even with that in place, the estimate is that 10% of business emails could be leaking information via these, um, via the metadata and hidden information in these documents.
1: One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is this bring-your-own-device movement, which has made people crazy on so many fronts I can't enumerate them all. (laughs) So so how has it it contributed to this particular problem of metadata?
3: Well, you know, according to a 2012 uh, survey uh, done by Latera, we did a... um, Uh, program on mobile device usage and document security, and 96% of all mobile devices and tablet uh, users access business email from their devices, so pretty much everybody, and a third of those can access their company's central document repository. And what's more, about 86% of those mobile device users forward emails with the documents attached. And this is a real weak point in the business communications chain where metadata is likely to be inadvertently shared. The number of professionals who work remotely is predicted to continue increasing. And of course, we know that that's already a huge number. So that just exacerbates the problem. And you know, along with this trend is the reality of bring your own device where we look at uh, the study by Cisco in 2012 where they looked at global IT survey highlighting the enthusiasm over tablets in the enterprise, and they found that about 50% of employees use mobile devices to conduct business activities in that study, including the sending and receiving and reading of emails. So all of these factors contribute to the pervasiveness of metadata being unwittingly shared with regulators, customers, competitors, the media, and other groups that really scrutinize a business's content.
2: All right, so I think we've sufficiently scared our listeners, and, and we know we, 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 we know we have a problem. So um, how how do we solve that, and, and where should we uh, we start with all this?
3: Well, you know, I think probably the, the safest place to start, of course, is with a metadata cleaning tool. And you want to think about that uh, in terms of one that's not going to just run on the desktop, uh, but also to be able to handle all of these mobile devices, web mail, and so on. So... Most experts would agree that businesses should now be using a server-based metadata cleaning tool that ensures that all these documents with these attachments to email are automatically cleaned no matter how they're sent, whether it's from the desktop, webmail, mobile devices, tablets, whatever it is. Um, And we also recommend that policies are set and enforced on the enterprise level so that employees don't even have to think about scrubbing metadata um, if they think about it at all, which is the problem, of course. They, They aren't thinking about it. So just make it happen behind the scenes for them.
1: Well that's that's a question that people ask all the time. Do they, do they have to screen and scrub all the their, their email? I'm hearing you say yes.
3: Mhm. Yeah, I mean basically anything that's going externally for sure, not internally, but externally as a general rule you want all of those to be cleaned and um you know there's different levels of cleaning you, you we have clients that set it to high medium low for example but best of breed metadata cleaning software is flexible and it allows for different varieties of controls based on the business area the different groups or individual users, being able to give uh, granular controls where it's required, but then also not missing anybody, so making sure that you've got things set at the highest level, so that um, at the server level, so that things are not accidentally going through uncleaned. Given the pr- proliferation of the mobile devices, especially in the tablets, um, we think that your metadata cleaning software should be able to clean... All of those things sent externally from anywhere, and you want to make sure that it cleans all the key file types that you are typically sending, that an email uh, user's sent items reflects exactly what the recipient received. That's a critical point, especially in the case of discovery, but in general, nobody wants to not know what they sent, so they want to be able to go back and look at that. You need to make sure that the tool is enterprise-grade if you're in a larger organization. You don't want to have to be monkeying around with everything at uh, individual setting levels. You want proper redundancy, failover, and distributed workforce support capabilities. And finally, you want to make sure that whichever vendor you choose, that you have excellent support because you are touching Exchange. All
2: right, Karen. So what is all this going to cost us?
3: Well, I can't speak for other products. Um Metadack D is about eighty dollars per user per year. So that tends to be comfortable for any size organization. Um we do offer volume discounting and so on and uh so eighty dollars is the highest price and the larger the firm, the smaller that number gets and we do honor any current pricing they have in place of some other product. Um but you know businesses don't have to buy that.
2: Karen, Met- Metadact yeah? D is your server based product, correct?
3: That is correct. And okay. we do have um, our, our desktop-based product as well, and you don't have to buy that separately. If you have uh, MetaDact-E, you automatically have the desktop component as well, which would allow you to do things like cleaning, e- cleaning uh, metadata, even if you're not sending it through email, if you just want to clean a pile of files in a DMS, for example.
2: So, so if a listener doesn't have an IT department or, or they have a small IT department with limited resources, uh, are these options also available to them?
3: Yes, absolutely. In fact, we would recommend that uh in the case if you decide that you're working with Laterra, that you actually have your Microsoft Exchange consultant work directly with our people. We provide free consulting and um uh, we can really help both uh help them through the process and getting that installed, which is relatively quick. It's usually less than three hours from end to end to set up everything. Um and that will really help to mitigate risk and protect reputation.
1: Well, we sure want to thank you, Karen, for joining us today. You've got remarkable expertise in this area, uh, and you express yourself very, very well. Thank you for sharing your expertise with our listeners. I know they learned a lot. Thank you again for being with us.
3: Well, thanks again for including me, and I hope you guys have a great week.
2: Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes.
1: And you can find more about Sensei's Digital Forensics Technology and Security Services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.